Word, yo, peace, everybody. Is everybody coming in? I can't see who's in here, but you know, peace, Gorilla Will, Assassin's Crew, Urban Artistry. And I am here with the one, the only rubber band man himself and no not TI. <laughs> Frost. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Nice to talk to you. Yo, Happy to be here too. Man, yo, uh, Damon has been an outstanding uh, contributor to dance culture here in America, as well as over in Europe. Um, incredible music producer with hearing aid and some other stuff that we'll probably get into a little bit later on. Um, and just an all around good guy. Ah, so uh, I'll fix that. <laughs> no doubt. Word, man. So um, where are you originally from? Let's, let's start there. I, I was born in Los Angeles. Okay. I was born in Los Angeles. So, and I've been uh, traveling up and down uh, California and uh, in my teens, I lived in the, uh, the Bay Area. But before that I was, I lived in Hawaii a bit. I've been hopscotching like um, all over California. And uh, in the eighties, then I started trying to go to New York, you know, to, to on behalf of dance and, and, and hip hop and all that exciting stuff. And then in 85, I moved to Sweden. Uh, it, it wasn't the plan, but it became the plan. And then, I, then I've been in Europe. So since the, the mid eighties, so that's basically the, the path. How, so what, what brought you to Sweden? Um, my, 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 my girlfriend from the United States was uh, an exchange student at first and then an, an au pair from Sweden. And, and she lived with me and she kept telling me about, uh, you know, maybe you'd like to come to, to Stockholm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not going to happen. Like I'm thinking. And, and an opportunity uh, presented itself where I was to be doing a show in France and uh, I took that opportunity and I figured that since I was in the neighborhood, so to speak, that I would uh, come and meet her parents and stuff. And that's, that's what got me over there or over here. Nice. And yeah, so yeah, that's how it happened, my lady. Work. Hey, look, that's a, that's a great excuse for most things in American history. So yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're very glad you did, man. Um, so how'd you find your way into uh, into dancing? Did, um, it's a good question. So so for me, it, it, it has two layers to it. And the first layer is my family dances and I've been exposed to dancing from the very, be very beginning. So I didn't know that there was a not dancing. I thought that this is basically what everybody did. Um, and I just always danced all the time, trying to imitate James Brown, you know, the Jacksons, <laughs> the Jackson Five, you know, just trying to do everything I saw when Soul Train came around when I'm eight that I'm trying to do, you know, what, trying to figure it out, you know, and just a little, it's always been with me, but 
uh, I didn't get really heavily, heavily into it until the late 70s about. That's when I really started to make an effort in trying to, trying to do robotish kind of puppet stuff, trying to do some of the styles that I saw uh, that they were doing in the Bay Area at that time. So I'm in fourth grade and fifth grade and I'm trying to, I'm giving it my all <laughs> as much as a little kid can do. I'm focused, but uh, yeah, it, 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 it didn't really go deep until I had a, uh, an accident which broke my wrist and it stopped me from doing bicycle motor, uh, BMX freestyle. So I, I had reached a, a very high level in BMX and when I couldn't do it anymore or when I had to stop for like a, at least a year, I went nuts and I went deep into dance. That was like the, the other thing I went into, like to save me from not being able to ride my bike. So the, the first tiers, I've been dancing a little bit all the time, but then really focus on it, maybe post my, my big bike accident. Okay. And mm -hmm. so I, I, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm correct, you actually develop a wave style from the actual accident, right? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but but it sounds great. I, I want to <laughs> say yes. <laughs> for, for, for the sake of Lord. Well, well yes, yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. There, uh, I had a full arm cast on, mm -hmm. and um, they they forced me to have this arm cast. I had it on like for four months. And then I sawed it off to be able to straighten my arm and get back on my bike. And I started riding my bike again, went back to the doctor and they're like, no, we have to put you back in this cast again. And so what it did is it didn't allow me to, to tut like the way a lot of people were, were tutting at the time. And it didn't allow me to, to start my wave from my wrist and elbow on my right arm. So in that regard, yes, it did. It made me focus on my, from my elbows, from this part and just, and, and getting all this together because that was a, a little bit more limited in my range of options. So yeah, yeah, exactly so. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, right? You're gonna to try to escape these flowers, and you're not gonna be able to. Right? <laughs> All your flowers. Are gonna you, bro. <laughs> like, all right, let's. All right, let's let's dive into one one of my my sort of off topic questions. Um, what's one song from like? I'll say from childhood. I feel like that's fair. One song from childhood that when you hear it, you absolutely have to dance. Like there's no other option. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hold on, just one second. Oh man, my, my kid just gave me my chicken wing delivery. Thank you, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, there, there's a few songs. There's um, there's a lot of songs. Okay. Um, but if let's go top. If I hear. 
if I hear money, oh honey, got to get my hands on some. If I, if I hear that, I have a, a, a fond memory to that because that is when I uh, uh, had a my first talent show experience on the stage when my parents were there and it was a a big a big deal for me at the time so that uh maybe that but if if i hear if i'm out and in a song like like aqua boogie or maybe bootsy's rotor rooter or some it there's a lot of songs but um if, if, if I hear Cool in the Gang's Rhyme Time People, that I, if I hear uh, Parliament's uh, Let's Play House. Let's Play Houses. It, it, it just, it, yeah, I, I short circuit. I, it's, it, I have, I, like, I, I get stuck and I have to, like, go in. <laughs> and, you know, the funny thing, my mom is the same way, too. Really? Yeah, so so uh, uh, it's it's great because a lot of people don't expect this of my mom. So uh, she's she's uh, she's an English lady and, and and she's white and she just doesn't look like she would be that person to like do this when a P funk song comes on. <laughs> but she is on the soul, yeah, and it doesn't matter out in the street in public anything. If she hears a song, she will have a moment. It's like no, mom, not here, not no, no. No, not here, mom. It's just like, you know, she'll go into one too. <laughs> the funk shall join us. Let's let's edit that. Somebody write that down somewhere. One of y'all. The funk shall join us. We're gonna solve all the problems with funk. It's its own reward. Is it? Lay it on your speaker. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, cool. So on any other direction, what's one song that you never want to hear again? Like every time you show up somewhere. <laughs> Where there's like no dancers and they know you dance, okay. they're like, oh. Okay. So here's a here's a funny thing. Because of my age, if I go out and people like and if if I don't tell the DJ what to play, you know what I mean? Like, and I go out that they always put on some electro song because they think that that's what I'm going to feel. And I just really don't feel it. <laughs> like, so if I hear Electric Kingdom, like it just doesn't boom, boom, boom. No, not for me. It's just, I need something slow. I need some funky. And, and there's some electro music that I, I do like, of course, you know, at, like when it came out, like I'm, I've, I've been a Kraftwerk fan since 1973. Nice. So, and when Tour de France came out, that was it. But if I hear it now, and if people give me that look like, like now, Dave, now it's your, that's yours? The, no. Yes. So, um, yeah, something, something in the electro classic realm. There's a few of them. <laughs> you know what? I knew I liked you for a reason. I have my, my best friend is in this chat right now, and he uh, will tell you if if I hear Planet Rock one more time, I might <laughs> stop somebody. 
never again. And for mobile, <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's double because I have fond memories of locations and the people. And normally that's supposed to generate this loving feeling that makes you want to dance. Right. I remember the pictures, the faces, and the people that I miss, but it doesn't generate that, that feeling for making me want to dance. I, I agree 100%, man. 100%. Um, okay. that's, that's the best question. That's a really good question. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to be a, a proper. <laughs> and, and, and so, but here's, a, here's, here's the thing. So I, I, I got to let you know how I think. So there was a time I was a battle strategist. I'm not anymore. But I would have never admitted that fact because I would think that, okay, now someone knows that I don't like dancing to electro. So they're gonna choose their moment to an electro song and think they have an advantage. So it's what I'm, I'm trying to let this go now. So <laughs> I'm, I'm revealing now. You can put the sword down. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> all right, so you left LA. Yeah. Sweden. And this is uh, mid eighties? So, so I, I moved from, Los Angeles when I was like four and five. Okay. And started traveling with my mom. So I was okay. born in LA, but a lot my my funk years, uh, uh I when I really got in, I was living in, in the Bay Area. Okay. So but but I have folks from that live in San Diego and uh and and we'd go down to San Diego and visit them, my, my cousins and stuff. Uh much love to my, my my family down there, and and they were the ones that were first getting me on on Bootsy and stuff. And I was like, that's just weird. And they're like, you'll see, watch. They kept playing it to me until finally I got I got hooked. And then and then once you're in, there's no going back, you know. It's it's so, a yeah. thing, man. Yeah, I remember when the Hollywood Squares album came out like the album then then i was then it was full blown from there all right do you everything after that rick jane everything every, just i was all in do you have any fond like battle memories from those years from like from the bay area years yeah i i there's i i have a, a lot and uh so some of my actual fondest memories uh, don't include me battling. Okay. One of my favorite uh, battles that I've seen was a battle between Melvin, Mr. Fantastic and Boogaloo Vic. Wow. And, and the thing is, they're both friends of mine, but they're not friends with each other. And so, yeah, and it was just, uh, amazing, really, really amazing. So the scene was every weekend in Berkeley at Cal Berkeley, the University of, 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 of Berkeley um, on the campus, right where the campus meets one of the streets, which is a uh, Telegraph Avenue. Uh, it was a popular sort of place where everybody would meet. And what happens is it just got to be known as the spot where the dancers would go. And so when the Fresh Festival tours were happening, 
my friends that I'd known from New York were sometimes traveling on the Fresh Festival tours. And one of these uh, friends was, uh, God bless his soul, my, my brother, Shake. And, and so when he came to California and stuff like we were building, and then everybody would always meet at Cal, Cal Berkeley. And the amount of people, there would be crowds of like maybe 1,500, 2,000 people to watch people dance. Wow. So it became like a thing. And at um, one of these weekends, um, you, you know how people egg people on, you know, people gas up. He, he, he was talking, he think he can, he think he could have let them get away with this, 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 this. And, and they and they went for it. And their crews were there and people were placed. And yep, it, it, it went down. And so Melvin is a, was a fantastic technician, God rest his soul. Really on another level when it comes to doing multiple coordinations at the same time. It's also one of the reasons I'm also into layering coordinations and being able to do different things at different parts of my body very meticulously at the same time, uh, because that was a part of the concept that, that we were going for. And Boogaloo Vic is super funky and is this incredible waiver. So, um, Melvin, fantastic, has ground moves. Uh, Vic has incredible flexibility and these weird waves that no one had ever seen. And it started out with Melvin coming out and people like going, oh, just like, you know, thousand and a half, thousand seven, just like a lot of people in a huge circle on, on the bricks on the campus. And he goes in and he does a cobra, waves his stomach. He has this net see-through shirt that you can see his body. And he does this with his back, like with his shoulder blades, gummy back. And he's gliding in a circle and his stomach is doing this, his back is doing that. And he's doing this, people go like, like you can't believe it. It's like, ah! And, and he does this incredible round and people just, they're dying. And they don't see, it's like, what can Vic possibly do to answer this? And Vic comes out like, like, yo, like, like you, you got me, you know? And he shakes his hand and everybody thinks the battle is over. And as he turns around, he starts walking away. And as he starts walking away, he goes into a back bridge, a back bend, and looks at Melvin upside down from his back being completely bent over from the back like this. And he shakes his head like, nah, it's not over. And then starts just like, pandemonium people are screaming it's like th these guys go back and forth it, and this was let me see 19 
84, maybe towards, maybe I'm thinking around, around April, May, around then. So this is the highlight of top tier Bay Area soloist. Bay Area is known for having both soloists and uh, fantastic groups. And, but these were some of the, um, Melvin was young and he's like an up and coming soloist and he would travel all over the Bay to battle everybody. Uh, Victor didn't come from Berkeley and he was also uh, well known all around, the, all around the Bay. So that brought people from all over this spread out Bay Area, people from San Jose are going to Berkeley, it, people from Sacramento are coming to Berkeley. It was like a big deal. And so it, in my mind, that's one of these Super Bowl moments for me that I, that I was, I feel lucky enough and privileged to see. Yeah. Yo, shout out to Vic because that's hard to answer. Listen, uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, Vic, I, if anybody ever bouts, uh, doubts Vic's capability, um, I was there, right? Like, I, I, I'll co-sign. Like, I remembered the things he did. I remember the things he showed me, uh, the moves we traded. He, like, top tier. He was a hundred percent that guy. Absolutely. Like, really. So, um, he, he's he's very boisterous, and a lot of people don't like people just talk but he he could back it up and the thing is a lot of these uh events and a lot of these things like people don't have footage of it so now him being boisterous and him not being able to show people the evidence of it makes people question it but uh i'm, I'm a witness after cosign this is the uh, boogaloo vic was was one of those cats in the bay area most definitely Nice. Um, so when you got into popping, um, did you have any teachers or mentors along the way? Or was it kind of like a community thing where everybody was kind of like learning all at once? It was, it was more of a community thing. But um, when I started practicing with, um, so, so people knew me as BMX Damon. So people didn't know me as dancing Damon and they're like uh Damon's gonna come to practice and like BMX it was like oh okay like all right so uh people like I, I think I got like a a past from the fact that I uh I'm very loyal and I wasn't um You know what I mean? I wasn't turning on my friends and stuff. And I think it gave me access to a lot of areas. And I have like a lot of friends in the Bay Area that were cool enough to show me stuff from Berkeley to Oakland, from Richmond to San Francisco. Uh, 
I'd been waving ever since junior high school. But like some of the first people that I saw were Demons of the Mind perform at a talent show at my junior high school. So I've been seeing wild stuff that I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't understand what it was. And um, so I was already influenced by the way people were moving. I had already been trying to do some of these steps and some of these patterns since I was in elementary school. So ever since uh, fourth and fifth grade, I'd already seen people. I've already seen like incredible robots, incredible robots. There was a kind of um, Boogaloo Dana introduced me to or him himself. He was an incredible mover, still is an incredible mover. And he introduced me to a magician slash robot, a crazy illusionist, this guy named Malfred. Mal and his name is Malfred. And I think he was trying to work as a professional magician, but this guy was, when you saw this combined with like his effects and stuff and his roboting and his animation and, and you know, he would like, you wouldn't have noticed, but at some point he had put his hand in his pocket and then later he'll hit bing and, and glitter would come out of his hands or hat. And you hadn't seen that he had a bag of <laughs> glitter. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> you know, so I remember seeing incredible stuff, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like that they were, were teaching me, but I had uh, was privy privy to the access, and later when I started training with certain individuals like Melvin, uh, uh, the, there's a person named Verndell from a group called UFO Encounters from from Berkeley, which showed me stuff. He's the person that taught me my uh, Pac-Man walk. There's uh, a person named Anthony. Uh, his, his uh, dance name is Boneless. He's the one that showed me like some of the shoulder stuff that I do. So it's really spread out. There's uh, some of the people uh, in the crew I, I was with. Um, I was with a group called Master City Breakers, incredible b-boy crew from the, the Bay Area. Um, it just so happened that some of the members uh, were from Sacramento. So they knew how to sack. So they had all the, the sacking styles. I'd never seen this stuff before. It's like amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, uh, one, of, one of the members' names is uh, Toy Master. And uh, he was showing me all kind of stuff, you know. And, and the style was just incredible. I use like a lot of that stuff today. A lot of my footwork. Uh, that I, I give them credit for showing me some of the, the sax stuff. So um, a very small handful of like a, a older mentor teaching me, it was more like I, I was still older <laughs> than everybody. And they're letting BMX Damon like <laughs> come and do some of this newfangled stuff and, and, I, and just how I am the my obsessive nature once i go in I, I go in and uh yeah started to come up that's a beautiful thing that's i don't think people 
give that enough credit. Like, just because you're older than someone doesn't mean you can't still learn something. <laughs> and like our, like- That's my life story. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, still learning watching people move like, oh, oh, oh. Crazy. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm like active on Insta Instagram. I, I love watching. And, and I see, and it's, it's still incredible to me. I still get amazed. And, and I'll tell people, you know, and I'll go, woo, woo. And I'm, I'm really feeling these emotions. I hope people know it's coming from a genuine place, you know. <laughs> what, was, what was the dance scene like, if there was one, when you got to, uh, to Sweden? Um, Sweden was very heavily influenced by uh, the three movies that it came out, right? So of course, the first wave they caught was the flash dance thing, right? So um, a lot of Swedish uh, elders, you know, you put on Jimmy Castor, you know, and, and they'll have a, an emotional moment, you know? Um, and then of course, Breaking and Beat Street. And just because of how the information came to Sweden, that they got a lot more of the New York media than the Los Angeles media. Absolutely. So when I got here, people were wearing like Puma windbreakers and that, you know, everybody, you know, Puma Clydes. And, you know, you see a few shell toes, but people were like puma out, you know, and, and, and some of the, the, the other, some of the football brands, uh, I think Kappa, it's a couple of things. But anyway, people had like, windbreakers and track suits. So that was the thing. Everybody looks like straight out of the battle from, <laughs> from Beach Street. <laughs> <Yeah>, Rocky. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so when, when I got here, um, two of the B-Boy crews, um, I see rockers and Throwdown, they, they were uh, heavily influenced by you know, from the, from the New York scene and, and the poppers, they were kind of more looking into the electric boogie sort of way of moving. Um, Mr. Wave was like one of the first people that we brought out to Sweden because of the popularity of uh, electric boogie uh, in Europe. So that's kind of like the first scene so I just completely broke that. Like people didn't know what they were seeing, you know. It was, the popping scene was a little bit on the decline. Just, just a bit here because people like, oh yeah, that, you know, yeah, that's, that's so 83, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, it is, and I'm, and and, and people are like, whoa, we've never, whoa, we've never seen that, you know, and and slowly, um, I, I was teaching a few people in Sweden and in Copenhagen, you know, your friends as well, you know, Steen and Thomas, and um, and slowly, um, not by any master plan, it started to to come up, the quality started to to come up. Yeah. 
Nice. So uh, you thought uh, Thomas Steen, was there anybody else like that? that yeah. Was? So, so they, they, they came up from, from Copenhagen. So in the south of Sweden, there's a town that, that borders Copenhagen. And so that's where I meet uh, Steen and, and Thomas at a, at a contest. And um, let me see, but there was a, a, a person from down south, another person that is uh, Gogo. That was like one of my first partners here. There's, there's a guy uh, named uh, Abde. His name is Andreas Abde for short in Swedish. And uh, his dance, dance name is Too Easy. He was a person that I was uh, uh, showing him my techniques and stuff. And, and, and he was also coming up in the ranks. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, there, there, there's, there, there's a, few, a few people later when, when things get up and running, I, I get a group together uh, called New Position. Uh, by way of Steen, who a year before had went to the UK. And I'm, I'm thinking, I think he must have been like 13 or 14 years old when he went to England by himself to battle people. <laughs> like Poffin, I'm like, like who who does this? But anyway, uh, he battled a bunch of people, and 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 he wanted revenge. And so when I started training with him, he had a list of names. <laughs> he was ready to go back and, and, and cut heads in, in the UK. And so I go there with him for Fresh Fest '86 and to my um to to my delight I, I i i meet my first uh real uh partner that that we just really developed a lot and that is uh richard uh who uh is his dance name at the time was bebop and we our names were synonymous with with, with each other and I met him at Covent Garden, Covent Gardens in, in, in London, which is an area where a lot of people dance for money in this sort of um, tourist spot, you know? And there's a lot of foot traffic, a lot of people go there and there's lots of circus artists and stuff. And he was like a well-established dancer that had so much performance skills that as soon as I, I I met him and we hooked up and as soon as he when he came to Sweden uh he didn't tell me he was coming to Sweden he just showed up here he barely speaks you know and and we we just got really tight and he just convinced me to like you, re you ready to dance on the street I'm like here yeah, really I'm like okay let's go you know I, I was doing this in in San Francisco and, and in Berkeley as well. So I was like, okay, let's go. And we just cleaned up. But that was probably my, my right-hand man. We were like inventing things, pushing each other. That was that thing. No, the, a, a lot of the other people just in the, in the very beginning were like my students but this guy was not, 
my student, we were each other's teachers because he was equally as skilled as I was, definitely. Which also connected me to a few other uh, UK dancers. There's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Danny Francis, who is, um, he's, he's, he's a genius. He, uh, he's a style genius, really so. Uh, later connected me to another gentleman by the name of Mark Dias Johnson, who was just this wonder of nature. Just was just, I think I think he was a, a high jumper in high school, and th this guy just had other standards for himself. He was studying the Nicholas Brothers, <laughs> so this guy would come into a a, a, a club suited and booted you know, would sit down, have a drink and run up the wall and do a flip into the splits and just out of nowhere, just like, like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. And, yeah, and of, and of course, uh, uh, my, my, my brother, Anthony, you know, right, T-Root. So, yeah, uh, later when I get a group up and running, uh, Anthony, who was also an influ influential member of Out of Control, when he moves to Stockholm, he starts dancing with us. We have a group called uh, New Position. There's a person by the name of Carl Dial, who um, was one of the first people I met when I was in, uh, when I first arrived. <laughs> he showed me around, and um, yeah. That that that's kind of what it looked like when I when I got here. And these are the the first people that that got me into this routine of like, okay, what am I doing here? I'm here to dance. Okay, I got my partner. I got my focus. I got my ambitions. I got my goal. Okay, it's working out. That it's making money for me. Okay, I have uh, my baby girl, my daughter Bam Bam, and I'm like, okay gotta provide and we're just out doing show it's just where we're it's it's on yeah that's amazing man yeah <laughs> man all right which way are we going next yeah <laughs> yeah just um i i when i talk to you about it now it, it's I, I i recognize the blessing you know and i also recognize beating a lot of statistical odds right on with with the people in the area that i come from i it's like i get it. it i didn't see it until someone had pointed this out to me when i was like in my uh late 30s it's like you know you beat the odds right i'm like what do you mean and, and, they, and they gave me some statistics of numbers of Maybe you know like out. like have you been arrested no, I says, do you have, have you been stabbed or have a bullet wound? I said, no. Have you ever been, you know, incarcerated? Have you ever, like, no, have you ever, and I was just like, no. And he's like, dude, you, you're, you're, you're a freak of circumstance. And I didn't understand it until someone really broke it down to me. And when I think now, I'm like, the fact that I go into this dance and this thing becomes, you know, like a saving grace for me and it's still providing for me to this day because of my interest into this thing it's it's you know this is otherworldly yeah. right they they always say you get out and you put in 
a bunch yeah. over the years. Yeah. Like, uh, so for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Thomas and Steen from Out of Control uh, taught House, who in turn taught Future, who in turn teaches all of you. You know what I mean? So like, uh, and me, me included. And it, it's an honor to be in this, this bloodline of incredible movers that, you know, that come from, you know, Damon Frost, which is outstanding. Um, are there any dancers that you see now that you're really excited about and that you think- Loads. Loads. So, oh my gosh, I just have, oh, every, loads. Loads, loads. This, I like, like I am. Uh, okay. So I had. I, so this is what was going on in my mind. Okay, at the time when in the Bay Area before I moved to Sweden, and when the word hip hop and breakers when this becomes a thing in my mind this becomes a threat to my only ticket of anything i could do good besides bmx right so when i when i think about breakers i'm like trying to do bigger moves and popping ground moves i'm trying to do bigger things you know and now, with the fact that the stage a lot of times is much bigger for people to do their presentation on, now people are doing bigger things. Big ground moves like the small, close, intricate detail game is like highly intricate and tight. The big power move-ish ground moves things are on, on another level. Uh, people's grooving abilities, being able to flip styles mid-step, all these things, the musicality game, all these things I, I recognize and appreciate. And, and everybody from, I, I've, I've been a fan of, of great individuals since, since day one and, and not a thing has changed. There's, there's young, uh, let me see, there's uh, there's one, uh, let me see, he called himself uh, Just Breaks. Mm -hmm. he, he, like, he, I, he puts up a lot of footage. I'm like, woo, I'm like fanboy. I'm like, dude, I'm, it's incredible. These people are like, like problems, you know, the uh, Julie Tricks. Julie Tricks is crazy. It's crazy. Um, let me see. Oh, I, uh, I, it, there's, I, I, I could go down a list of people like from, from now that I'm watched that I'm super impressed to a, a few years ago, to a decade ago, to 15 years ago, to 20 years ago. There's loads of people from all over the world. The Paris scene is crazy. The Asian scene is crazy. The, uh, what people are doing in di different places, crazy. Just I, every every place has a pocket of highly top tier individuals, and and I see people specializing in different niches in this span of what we do, and 
uh, I know a lot of formulas, but what happens is, uh, depending what you put into the formula will give you different results. So even though I know the formulas, the result of what people happen to put into them surprised me all the time. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Ah, like, ah. So yeah, I, I'm influenced all the time and impressed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of this stuff. Oh man. All right. So you invented a movement called the David Byrne. Yeah. So uh, it was actually uh, Bebop. Bebop created it. So, yeah. Me and him, we, we, we oh. developed it. So we were, uh, so we liked the song Once in a Lifetime. The greatest song of all time. The baseline, right? Like, right. So anyway, so we're watching this video and David Byrne, I, I know he's been uh, taking dance classes with Twyla Tharp. And so he's heavily influenced by um, African dance. And he's trying to, free David Byrne is trying to be funky in any way he can from having members of Parliament Funkadelic in his group to doing these dances. And at one point he he kind of goes down and it just kind of does this. He doesn't bend his knees, but he just is kind of like standing up and he goes like this and goes over, kind of makes a circle with his upper body somewhere in this video. And Bebop goes, oh, okay. So he does the top part and once he's there, then he tries to make the bottom part, his knees and his legs go. So we wanted to be like this, this and back up. And so we, uh, Bebop dubbed, dubbed it the, the David Byrne wave. And then we developed this thing. So yeah, <laughs> that's how like, one I, I, I connection or well, another connection but would you mind telling them of your your david byrne story yes okay <laughs> so i'm working in a music studio called breaking bread under the the direction of a gentleman by the name of gordon cyrus gordon cyrus is a creative genius and he's also a musical genius and a fantastic producer and a video producer and an architect. And he's just, he's a genius, like really. And these ideas, he's like, he goes, why don't we make a place and we put, the, and he's just good. And, and everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he does it. So we're in the studio. That's a, it's a converted warehouse and it's called Breaking Bread. I'm in the studio because he insists that I'm there. Uh, there's a few other members. There's a person named uh, Ski, which is also one of the first people I met in Sweden who hooked me up and was patient enough to show me MIDI. And I got my first sampler and got me into music production. Uh, he's working there. Uh, and what happens is 
David Byrne liked Gordon's music production and he wanted Gordon to produce his next album. One day I go to Breaking Bread to my studio. Gordon goes, hey, Damon, there's someone I'd like you to meet. I go, and I go, uh-huh. He goes, yeah, it's David Byrne. And I go, what? He goes, David Byrne. And he goes, hey, David, this is Damon, Damon, this is David. I'm like, and I have to stop. And, and he's, uh, um, he, he's, he's quite a reserved person. And I'm like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. I know who you are. And he's like, oh, okay. But it's like, he's very reserved, you know? And I go, no. <laughs> I said, I am friends with Pop and Pete. And ever since Cross-Side and Painless, like one of the first popping videos ever, you know? I said, and he's like, oh, and, and, and Gordon goes, yeah, he's a dancer. He goes, oh, he is. And, 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 and then the conversation opens up and, and, and yeah, I'm like, I can't, I can't make this up. So one of the, so he wanted Gordon to go on the world tour with him, uh, wanted him to play bass or guitar. And, uh, Gordon decided not to do it. And another person that's in our studio fold by the name of Desmond Foster, uh, incredible bassist, winds up going on the world tour with the Talking Heads and the Tom Tom Club. So he's playing all the, the you know, the genius of loves. He's playing, playing all these, you know, and, and he, he wasn't even familiar with all these songs from the onset, you know, so, so it's just, it's just a small world. It's, it's just incredible. That's an incredible. Did you know <laughs> David Byrne, the David Byrne? No, I didn't. <laughs> that would have been the one. Uh, he was really shy. So, so he, 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 um, like I've, I've seen him on stage. I remember watching him come out in the big suit. I remember all kind of stuff. And I thought he was a much bigger person, a taller person than he was. But so here I am, this tall dude, and I'm all boisterous. <laughs> He's really reserved after life. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll be in here if you need me. <laughs> I had to back up. <laughs> I didn't want to like overwhelm this guy. You know? For those that are unaware, Damon Frost is seven foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's an incredible story. All right, so perfect segue. Music production. Yes. Uh, Ski gives you your first sampler. What was your first sampler? Uh, the S1100, Akai S1100 uh, rack unit. He gave me that and an Atari 1040 STE uh, with 1.4 megabytes <laughs> of memory. <laughs> and I was running no... Uh, both Notator and Creator, which were the precursors to Logic, like when it was on the Atari format. Very nice. Yeah. So all the sequencing was done 
from the Atari, which had this amazingly tight MIDI sequencer, amazingly tight. And all the, the vocals, either you would do it live to tape or later the ADAPs came. So, yeah. Nice. Is there a song that you hear and you're like, I wish I would have produced that first? Old and new. Uh, one each. Mm. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm a funk fan. And I'm not uh, a, by any means an, an accomplished piano player at all. I'm like, barely, you know, just learning things now, uh, theory. So I've been sonically manipulating little microscopic bits of samples to do what I want them to do for decades. And uh, there's just one group that came out that did this crazy thing that I didn't know how they were accomplishing it because I pretty much thought I understood how everything was made. But there were some sonic things I just didn't understand. And this, um, the group is called uh, Autecker. And the name of the song is Gantz Graph. And it comes with an, a, a video. And it's not funky, but it's just unapologetically on some others. I don't know how they did it. This is before Ableton. This, I don't know how I got the samplers. I don't know how they made these sounds, how they did it but it's just on some other stuff. So I, I wish for my sort of futuristic sounding stuff, I wish I would have did this. Uh, and and I, I'm a fan of funk music, you know? So I, I wish I made anything. I'm, I'm still trying to make funky music to this day, you know? There's a, let me see, there's a, a song produced by a producer named Michael Angelo, and he did it for Buster Rhymes. And the song is You Ain't In With Me. This song, I finally got a hold of him back in the MySpace days. I'm like, I'm like, how did you do this? And he goes, Oh, that was just the MS 2000, and yeah. And I got the MX, the MS 2000, like that week. I'm like, just trying to get these sounds out of there. But uh, it was special in, in the regard that, so I'm a sound guy. And so, and I'm a bass person. And so I think I know most formulas to get anything that I wanted. And I relied because of my lack of uh, harmonic and theory prowess, I would compensate by with my sound design. Right on. So the thing about this song is that the sounds themselves 
aren't anything special. But he played it so funky that it made me realize, okay, it's not the sounds. You can do this on anything, but you just have to have it. And if you listen to the song by Busta Rhymes, um, there's, uh, you ain't skin with, with, with me, I think it's W-I-T. If you hear it you, and you look at the date that it's made, it, it's, you can't believe it. It's, it's, it's an achievement in, in, my, in my mind. Hats off Michelangelo. Oh man. Okay. So we know you're a funk dude. Like, and if you hear your production, there's there's no doubt about that whatsoever. Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck on it. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any hip hop songs and or producers that when you hear their music, it gives you like the same feeling? Like uh Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite producers um is Knotts. N-O-T-T-Z. Uh, he's been very good for a very long time. Absolutely. For a very long time. Um, of course, uh, when, so I'm, I'm, I'm working for a, I'm doing production for uh, a girl called uh, China Moses. China Moses is the daughter of Dee Dee Bridgewater. Uh, soul funk jazz diva, just bow down. Um, she's in Breaking Bread Studio and, and the house, different people in the house are doing production for her. And under this time, uh, Bob Power, is mixing in Breaking Bread. And so I meet Bob uh, and we have a mutual friend, my, my first Boogaloo dance partner from the Bay Area named Danny Wyatt, who's a platinum uh, award-winning um, producer and mastering engineer. Um, through him, I say, oh, Danny told me about you. And Bob goes, oh, you know Danny and stuff. And that opens that door and we're talking and he's listening to my music. And he goes, oh, that's hip, how you do this? this stuff. And he goes, oh, you'd really like this guy named James. You know, you said, he kept saying about James. He's, you'd like him. They call, uh, they call him JD. They call him, you're gonna, you're gonna like him. You're gonna recognize a lot of this stuff. And then later when I heard you know, the, the fantastic volumes of one and two. And I started listening to the stuff. I was like, Ooh, you know, and I'm like, that's the dude that Bob was talking about. Ah, okay. You know, so, so, uh, the late great Dilla is definitely one of these people that is just, that, that is, that has got it. And, and, the thing that I call it is as a culmination of three things. It's you to have a sound that you just like and whether or not 
it's fashionable or not, you decide to no. this just makes me feel this good and you stick with it, one. Two, the equipment that you're working on, no matter what it is, that you're gonna make it be something that people will recognize regardless as you, this thing. And the other thing is where somewhere, the third thing is that there's an area or an envelope that people decide to push. So not on, like I consider myself an exponent of all the great funk music that I've heard. And, but I also don't want to just remake those songs like they did. I also want to put my own personality in the things I like into the formulas as well to reveal myself. Right. And, and, and maybe or maybe not, this has been something that's been heard before and it might go against the grain, maybe, maybe not. But uh, it just so happens that when those three things come together from anybody, it gets me. Knotts was one of those people. Uh, Michelangelo was one of those people. Uh, Dilla was one of these, the, these people. So yeah, there, 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 there's a few, there's a few. That's outstanding. Um, yeah. Thank you for saying Knotts. Yeah. So I'm from- I, People don't, un I don't think they understand. They don't. Because the thing is, he makes so much music and he puts a lot of songs out just because he's like excellent. But I don't think people really understand. I, I don't think so. No, absolutely not. Okay, so, so, so for, for example, uh, what producers does Dilla go to to produce his rap album? Talk about it. There you go. You know what I mean? Knox is there. Madlib is there. You know, these are the people that make music for him. So I hope this lets the diehard Dill fans understand that, you, you know what I mean? Who is he listening to? You know, it's, yeah. Like I'm from uh, 757 Virginia, where, where Knox still lives. Norfolk, Virginia, never left. And the thing is, you know, we have Tim and we have uh, Pharrell and Chad and Missy and people always skate over Knox. Like he isn't like, like there's like this dirty Norfolk sound that he has. And like every independent artist from Norfolk, uh, every major artist has come to work with Knox they all get that Norfolk sound. You can't, you can't like replicate it. And it's such an incredible thing. Yep. Yeah. And also remember I say about these three things, the thing you stick with, the equipment, the equipment that you use and you know, how, what you can get out of your sounds and where you decide to push it. He did all these things. I, so, um, from the wolves, the stuff he did for, for the DV alias Christ stuff, for the Buster Rhymes solo album stuff, like that stuff is nuts. Knots is nuts. It should have been just called nuts. 
<laughs> he was just, it was ridiculous. The thing he he first did for um Raw Digger, the first Raw Digger, if you listen to a song called, what's it called? There was, ooh, what was it? Um, uh, the Showdown. Listen to the bass line on Showdown on this Raw Digger. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. And the fact that he had the harmonics sort of almost distorting, you know, now people are, are getting into distorting the 808s and stuff now. Yes. You know, the fact that he had this gritty thing on the, but the sub bass was, was clean sine waves. And the fact that he was doing this when he was doing it, and the musicality that he was putting with these sounds, he was on another tier. So he was, um, I, I, I'm sorry I say was, he is just on some real, true, like underground feeling stuff. If he, even though he's a platinum producer, he, he makes stuff that I identify with. That, that's the only way I can describe it. It gives, you know, people that influence the blues, that influence different kinds of jazz in, into their funk and that the, the make, like, I, 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 I feel it. I, I, I really feel it. Do you have a favorite production of your own that's like, like your, you know, magnum over, so to speak? That there's different things at different times. Um, there's some things of from the the Boom Lucy album that I did in, in 2004. Uh, it reached some platforms in 2005. There's there's some things I I like for its simplicity. Uh, some things I like for its some of its deceptiveness. Some things I like for. Um, some magic moments that I, I fought for. For instance, there's a song called More on this album. More was a song where my partner, Aaron uh, Peary, he played some chords and he says, no, these chords are corny. I'm like, no, no, do, do it again, do it again, record it. I, I gotta, quit. I, and he goes, no, no, I'm like, I'm like, dude, do the, you know, and I'm at, and he's like, I don't like it. I said, I listen, Aaron, record the damn chords, you know, and and so he records them in MIDI, and I start manipulating and chopping them up and stuff, and I go into my thing, and when he comes back to the studio, I play him the song, and he goes, Now we're talking, that I like. I said, but Aaron, that's the chords. He goes, yeah, but you did, you changed, you, you changed. I like, that's what I was trying to tell you. So I fought to make the song happen. Fast forward a, a, a little over a decade after this, there's a friend of mine that was in a really bad way, went to Thailand to end their life. They were gonna go to the beach 
They bought a one-way ticket and was gonna swim out into the water and not swim back. This person had a, 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 a CD Walkman with the album in it. And when they put on the song more, that it clicked in this person's mind that they were supposed to live more. Wow. And the fact that we're joyous and happy on this thing, which is totally, you know, you know, happy ain't in. <laughs> happy on music isn't trending <laughs> at all. So, so the fact that we go for it, we do this thing and it comes out the way we want. And the fact that it's not just in my mind, but this person comes back and says, Damon, I have to tell you what happened. And when I heard it from this person's mouth, explain it. And I tell Aaron, I'm like, can you remember this, is the song that I had to fight you for to get the chord. And he's, and he's a very spiritual person. And he was like, like, that we're, we're all just vessels here, you know? Here's so, so things like that, that was like a, like a moment that, that, that tripped me out. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's an incredible story, brother. Like that's yeah, yeah. one of those moments, man, where that's- In your room and you're by yourself in your room and you've got your friend and you're making music and you just have this feeling that it's gonna go out to the world. And you're just hoping and that someone will catch it, you know? And then decade plus, you get this message back to you. <laughs> like, like uh, yeah, we saw your message in a bottle, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we popped the cork and we listened to it, and yeah, we got it. Thank you very much for that. You know, it's like you can't make this stuff up, man. You can't. Uh, I mean, I I don't think I can go past that. I think that's a good spot for for our actual conversation to hold for now, man. Like, okay, brother, thank you, thank you so much. Um, Anytime, man. Man, um, are there any questions? I know. I don't have my Facebook open right now, but if there are any questions for anybody in the chat, for Damon, we got a few minutes left and then we're gonna let uh, everybody get ready for the workshop. Yeah. So, but man, yo, but while that's loading up, thank you so much, brother. Like, you've been- Anytime, all and I told you oh, that anytime that I was online on any platform, I was gonna let the world know about you and your musical skills. So I'm not going to let this pass up with, with, with people not understanding that you're a very gifted music maker, you know, so, so please, you know, take, take that and, and run with that torch, please. Sir, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> man, I had tears brushing my wig out here, man. What are we doing? All right, where are we at? Where are we at? Any questions? Anybody got? Oh, Russ. Uh, Russ actually had a question. He said, "Is there any 
footage of your mom dancing online? Oh, I can't throw her under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that means yes. Uh, Iron Man. Why are you trying to incriminate me, man? <laughs> um, uh, on my... Yes. There is. Where? 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 All right. Okay. So there's a hip hop song called Zigzag. Zigzag, 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 zigzag. You say of a found some self the the local end of bra with 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 uh, some friends of mine named Quilt Stuga. Now, uh, yes, there's a hip hop song called Zigzag, and my mom is the white lady on the end of it getting down. My daughter's in it. My son uh, Maceo shot the video with his talented self, and uh, Martha and Nikki are in it. Um, a train lock-in is in it. Uh, Mark, yeah, it's cool. Uh, zigzag, check out the zigzag video. It's 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 spelled a funny way. I'm gonna have to send you the spelling of it yeah. of, of the name of the group. It, it's S J U K. Yeah, Swedish. <laughs> S-J-U-K S-T-U-G-G-A Quilt Stuga Yep and, and that, and that, that uh, directly translated that's the sick cabin the sick house <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Any questions? Going once, going twice Now come on now All right, well, Damon, always a pleasure, brother. Um, if you have not signed up for the workshop, the workshop starts at 3 p.m., correct, Ryan? Yep. Yep, 3 p.m. Uh, you still have time to register. Um, the last workshop fried every last brain cell that I have, but I am better for it. So make sure you're here for today's workshop. Um, brother, thank you. We'll see you in a little bit. Anytime, anytime. Peace, y'all. See you on the other side. Nope.